And then, dear friends in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we look today at Palm Sunday and the entrance into Jerusalem that Jesus takes, we look from Luke chapter 19. But in Luke chapter 19, there's a lot more going on before he gets here. We first read in verse 28, when he said these things. And so I was wondering, well, what exactly was Jesus saying before he entered into Jerusalem? And as I looked and looked and looked, all I continually saw was how long Jesus' journey had been. How the many steps and the many twists and turns that had been happening. But yet, especially in Luke's gospel, the big emphasis is how the kingdom of God is now here. How it's being brought near to all the people of the world. Now one day, Jesus is traveling through Jericho. And as crowds are gathering around him, everybody is pushing one another to try and see who this Jesus is. All these reports about what he is doing, they're spreading like wildfire. And people have either experienced this healing, have a family member or a friend who have experienced this healing, or want to receive it themselves, or even just want to see it. This is something new and different And all the hopelessness of all these these Romans who are are wandering around, taking control of them, bossing them around, and and all the hopelessness of their lost glory as a kingdom, these people are seeking more glory. But yet, even in the midst of all this, there is one person that we focus on as Jesus is walking through Jericho. He is desperate. And he is desperate to be righteous. He is desperate to see Jesus. But he worries that because he's a tax collector who is hated by his own people, that God hates him as well. And so he tries to push his way through the crowds. He tries to see over them, but he simply can't because he is short. It seems like a pretty, pretty tame reason. Normally we hear the reasons that people are struggling in scripture are because they, they are leprous, they're lame, they, they need healing uh, like that. They're, they're possessed by demons. But no, this guy is just short. And so he climbs a tree. He wants to see this Jesus. Even maybe getting a glimpse, a glimpse of this, this Jesus fellow can, can change things for him. And as he's sitting in the branches of the tree, thinking about all these things, waiting for Jesus to arrive, he's lost in thought, and suddenly Jesus is just sitting right down there. And he says, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I have to stay at your place today. And Zacchaeus, of course, his, his heart leaps out of his chest. He skips as many beats as he can possibly and still be alive. And excitedly, he climbs down the tree, he approaches Jesus, he welcomes him so warmly and and lovingly into his home, explains to Jesus how he wants to be righteous, how he tries to be righteous, but Jesus very lovingly just stops him, puts a, a loving and gentle hand on his shoulder and says, peace, salvation has come to this home. But yet there are all these people who are looking in on this. This Zacchaeus guy does not deserve this kind of love and appreciation from this Jesus. I do. I should have him coming into my home. I deserve all of this. But no, Jesus has chosen 
to stay with this guy who's worse than the rest of us. And as Jesus notices their hearts, their furrowed brows, he begins to tell them a story about a, a rich man who leaves his, his property and, and goes off into another country and he gives money to his servants for while he's away. He places one coin in each of their hands. And when he finally comes back, one of the servants says, Look, I, I have what I have invested, I have received ten times what you first gave me. And the other one comes in, he says, Look, I have invested and I received five times what you gave me. And then one man comes and says, I was afraid of you. I was afraid of what would happen. I was afraid. And so I just buried the, the coin. And Jesus points out that the rich man applauded those who invested and berated the one who simply buried the treasure. He told them this story to challenge them, to get them to think, to see where they should be putting their energy and their time, their celebrations and so forth. But he especially wants them to see that the kingdom of God is here. And after he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. After he had stayed with Zacchaeus, he left and went on to Jerusalem. And as the king, he needs to enter his city. And so he sends his disciples to go and fetch a steed for him to ride into Jerusalem. But our Jesus is a humble king. And this humble king is not just in his personality humble, but even in fulfilling the promises of God humble. And he is on this, this humble ride moving into Jerusalem. One of the interesting things is, as we see throughout Scripture, the, the disciples are not always the best at following direction. But today they have no problem going and getting this donkey, going and getting this colt, going and getting this steed. And they bring it to Jesus. They put their, their cloaks and their coats on its back. Jesus hops on top and they start making their way into Jerusalem. And now, stretched along the roads heading into the town, there are all of these people now. It's the same kind of crowd that was in Jericho, probably a bunch of the same people. But there's even more, as, as John's gospel reminds us, these people who have seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, and then the people who have heard reports of that, these people too are coming and seeing this Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And as Nancy so well said, they're grabbing anything and everything they can, waving these, these branches around, shouting Hosanna, shouting joy to God and thanksgiving to God for everything that they have seen. And mingled in with all of these praises and shouts of Hosanna is blessed is the King. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And with this arrival... The kingdom of God is here, and the people shout for joy. Their very shouts of joy mirror and echo those shouts of joy from the angels themselves, as we are all celebrating this entrance into this holy city. Well, I say we are all celebrating it, but there's a group of guys who don't, don't like this. They don't want to see this happening. They don't wish for these people to welcome this Jesus in such a way because this man is a heretic. This man is a liar. This man spits on our tradition. 
and on our laws. He is no king. And so therefore he should not be welcomed as one. And so they yell over to Jesus, Jesus, tell these people to shut up. And Jesus turns to them with a very stern, but yet still somehow gentle look and tells them that if these people were silent, the stones would be shouting for joy. But what does a stone shouting for joy even look like? I mean, I, I was thinking maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what we would call rock music, right? Okay, I got a couple chuckles from, uh, from a couple of people. That was my dumb joke for the day. But joking aside, Jesus is showing a very important reality of the arrival of God's kingdom, which is a salvation of creation itself. Because we really tend to think of sin in very personal ways, which makes perfect sense, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Because, as Paul reminds us in, in his many letters, we're all battling this internal battle of sin. This war that's, that's fighting in, in our, our very souls against the old sinful self and the new righteous person. Those two are always in conflict. But what I want you to understand, though, too, is how far-reaching the consequences of sin is, are. You see, humanity is not only ruined, but creation is ruined, too. That as sin has caused us to replace God in our own lives and in our own uh, families and things like that, we've also replaced God in our own world, we have been called to be stewards of this world and we have done whatever we see fit with it rather than managing it for God. And these stones, these, these innocent rocks sitting on the side of the road in Jerusalem would be shouting for joy too because they desire salvation. They need redemption just as much as the people do. And if the stones weren't shouting, then the, then the trees would be, the animals would be, the mountains would be, the, the rivers, the streams, the oceans, the oceans filled with life, the sky filled with birds and bugs. Every little inch of creation would be shouting Hosanna to the King, save us, please, because we are in need of redemption as well, because creation has been affected by sin, just as much as humanity has. We are all groaning together in this atrocity of sin. When we think back to the beginning in the garden when man and woman sin, what happens is that they notice that they're naked. And then when God pronounces his punishment on them, he begins to then send them on their way. They can no longer inhabit this perfect garden. He sends them on their way. But look at Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The first death in scripture is not Abel, but some innocent animal that dies so that Adam and Eve might be clothed. Their sin causes death immediately. And as we look at the effects of sin on, on ourselves, we know death is still constantly present. But look at our world. As death and decay are at every corner, 
There's so many stress over uh, carbon emissions and how they're affecting the global environment. You see articles popping up left and right worrying about crop production. Are we going to have enough food? How can we sustain all these people? How can we do so responsibly and effectively? And not only that, but then there's disease. And it's not just the coronavirus, but then cancer is always present. People still die from diseases that were supposed to have been eradicated. These are the effects of sin. Sin is not just in humanity, but in every inch of this world. Our sin is not just the wrong that we do, but the wrong that exists. The fact that everything is ruined. But reflecting still this Palm Sunday, the kingdom of God is here. And as we look at our readings from Scripture, it is here in Jerusalem, and it is here for a purpose, and that is to restore creation and everything that's in it. And this happens by a man who is hated by everyone, dying in one of the worst ways imaginable. We, with great joy, welcome Jesus and hail him as king as he enters into Jerusalem, but then we join with the people as he is scorned, beaten, battered, bruised, forced to carry a heavy cross, as we will walk into Holy Week, we will see how this man, Jesus, is constantly called innocent, but is yet guilty and is sentenced to execution. We will watch and see how this king who humbly entered into Jerusalem is laid on that cross where nails pierce his flesh and firmly secure him to these beams of wood where, they, he, where then he is lifted up not in glory but in great shame where he is ridiculed, where he is taunted and mocked where his mother looks on in agony as her son is tortured to death we're going to look and see how this king's head droops as he gives up his spirit. As he is pierced with a spear, confirming that he is in fact dead. We're going to see his few remaining followers and friends gather his body down from the cross to place it in a tomb to at least honor it a little bit. But then we're also going to see the women going to the tomb to try and honor Jesus more, but to find the fact that he is gone. Terrified, they worry that his body is stolen, but yet they meet the risen Jesus. And through this act, this rising from the grave, this resurrection, sin and death are defeated. Not just the sin and death of humanity, but the sin and death of all creation is paid for and redeemed. Looking all the way back to the beginning, we see man and woman, we see an animal slain to cover them. But here in Christ, our God in the flesh, we see him slain to cover the sin and shame of all people. And this, this sin and shame is not powerful enough to hold Jesus. 
Because even though this is the beginning of Holy Week, we will not stop reflecting on the fact that Christ is risen from the grave. And that that one fact means life for us. But I want to keep going back and looking at the rocks, the trees, the, the birds, fish, animals, everything in creation. Because so often we only focus on the fact that salvation is for us people. But as we turn to the very end of our Bibles, we see the book of Revelation, where God works through this man, John, and shows him a future, a very important future reality. And while so much of Revelation is strange, is terrifying, Revelation 21 shows us a new heavens and a new earth because the former had passed away. The death and resurrection of Jesus is far-reaching to give newness, to give life. And it's not just to us people. It's not even to our ancestors who have, come, who have come before us and those ancestors who will be here after us. But it is for every square inch of dirt on this earth that new life is given. And there will be a new creation that is perfect, that is free from sin, that is free from death, that is free from disease and disaster, free from suffering. The chorus that we will hear will not be the angels, will not even be our brothers and sisters, but the, the, the rocks and the trees and the birds and everything shouting for joy for their salvation. All of these things in this, in this creation and in in our humanity, we're all shouting, Hosanna, which means save us, Lord. And we find that answered in Jesus. As we continually look in the Gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God is here. And it's not here for just some nice teachings like we hear in that parable, or even just to restore some people like he did with Zacchaeus, or even to raise people from the dead like with Lazarus. The kingdom of God is here to bring full and complete restoration to all of creation. To you, to me, to our pets, to the animals that are wild outside of our homes, to the plants that we have sitting in our houses, to the mountains that are far off, to the oceans that, that cover most of the earth. The kingdom of God is here. And in these days, while we suffer the effects of sin through horrors like disease, it is onto these promises of God that we hold on to. Because when we see that God has, has promised a new heavens and a new earth, it gives us something to look forward to. Knowing that when Christ enters into our creation, not like he did into Jerusalem as a humble servant, he will enter into our creation as the glorious king, and he will do so to bring complete and perfect restoration. A new heavens. A new humanity. And especially as we celebrate today, a new earth. Amen, brothers and sisters.